Well, before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, this week's Torah portion and Haftor portion are filled with uh, very difficult experiences that the children of Israel go through. But if we think of it not only as the children of Israel, but the Lord is actually showing us some of the challenges that he goes through. Because he's got a family that's a little bit difficult. And maybe a little bit is a, a big understatement. So if, if you belong to God and God is your father and you know that you are his son or daughter and you've got difficult family, this, this whole Torah portion, Haf Torah portion, and Brit uh, HaRashah portion I think can be useful for you and can encourage us. And it's not just about Israel, it's about God in relationship to people. And what's so interesting to me is God's not trying to put a lot of shine on everything. He takes us behind the curtain, if you will, and opens up to us what real life is like for him. What does it mean for him to make covenant with people like you and like me, people who are flawed even though he's perfect? And he's patient and he's kind and he's loving and he is also true, so he reveals to us what real life is like for him and how he keeps faith with people, even when people fall short. So if you're wondering how to live this life and you wanna live as God lives, then open up your heart to all the flawed characters as you're reading about them this weekend and paying attention from the Torah portion. Now the Torah portion in Numbers chapter 19, verse five, I wanna look at one verse I particularly like David Stern's translation. He captured something. I don't want to get into the whole passage about the red heifer and all of that, but there's a line that really caught my attention. It says, the heifer, this red heifer, is to be burned to ashes before the eyes of the high priest. It's skin, meat, blood, and dung to be burned to ashes. So the special heifer is to be burned and then the ashes are to be used uh, when mixed with water to provide a sprinkling purification process for the children of Israel. But I took notice of this, skin, meat, blood, and dung. And that last word caught my attention. Sometimes, the crap in life <laughs> can really help us out. <laughs> and I could say it another way, but out of sensitivity for, uh, for you, not for me. Uh, I won't, but you can use your favorite synonym. Because the Hebrew's kind of blunt about it. Dung is like an old English nice word. Um, 
And I've talked to people who speak English as a second or third language who have said, well, what does done mean? And I've given all these, you know, polite synonyms, and then I come up with the, you know, the, the most common synonym, and they go, oh, now I understand. So the scripture is telling us something in this, that God can work through everything. And he can turn things around. And the worst of stuff, he can actually overturn, if you will, so that it ceases to have a bad effect and it has a good effect. And if you're thinking, well, this life I have, it's, it's got too much dung in it. I can tell you God knows how to turn it around, how to mix it with the other things that that are necessary in order to produce purification, in order to produce healing, in order to use his good purposes and to bring those about. There's a, a theme that I think emerges in the Torah and Haftor readings that have to do with faith and fickleness how we need to be faithful even when people around us are fickle. And if you've been feeling like you're surrounded by people who are fickle and you're wondering what to do, should you become cynical or stoic, what should you do? I want to encourage you to be faithful even if others around you are fickle. But there's, there's more to it because the scripture shows us that even Moses fails. He falls short. So one of the real heroes of faith, one of the, the, the great sons of Israel, is not perfect by any means. And we see his failures. And yet God remains faithful to Moses. Though Moses doesn't go into the promised land with Israel, he does have an opportunity on the Mount of transfiguration, when Yeshua shows up, the Lord sends Moses down with Elijah to spend some time with Yeshua in the presence of some of Yeshua's disciples. So it didn't work out the way Moses had hoped, but you know what? He did get to put his feet down eventually. But let's look at Numbers chapter 20, starting in verse 2. And we'll look at this soap opera called Israel. And it says, because the congregation, the community of Israel had no water, they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses, and they said, we wish we died when our brothers died before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert? To die there? We and our livestock? Why'd you make us leave Egypt? This is a great supportive group, isn't it? <laughs> to bring us to this terrible place without seed, without figs, without grapevines, without pomegranates, or even water to drink. Moses and Aaron left the assembly. They went to the entrance of the tent of meeting and they fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. You see, at that moment, they were surrounded by people who were fickle. And all they could do was really humble themselves before the Lord. 
and to seek the face of the Lord. And as they did that, you know what? The Lord refreshed them and gave them what they needed for what was next. Then to the next chapter, Numbers 21, starting in verse 4. It says, Then the children of Israel traveled from Mount Hor on the road toward the Sea of Suf in order to go around the land of Edom. But the people's tempers grew short because of the detour. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? To die in the desert? There's no real food, there's no water, and we're sick of this miserable stuff we're eating. Ay, ay, ay. Is that faith? Not at all. Well, poisonous snakes show up. Everybody's in trouble. And in verse 7, it says, The people came to Moses and said, We're sorry. We sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he would get rid of all these snakes. And Moses said, are you kidding? I'm not praying for you. No, that's, that's what I would have said. What he said was different. He prayed for the people and the Lord answered Moses and told him what to do. So Moses at that moment is being faithful even though the people are being fickle and he does fall short. He's not perfect and we read about that. But what I want to underline here is that each of us goes through really difficult situations with people and then just so that we don't think it's everyone else, we read about how Moses also falls short so that you and I will never be haughty and proud and say, well, I don't fall short. You know, when we see other people fail, we may judge them for their failure. And if we're being strong in the thing that they're failing in, we may have a critical attitude and not have uh, an attitude of graciousness towards those people because we don't identify ourselves with them. We may think of ourselves as the victim or the ones who are being mistreated or mishandled, and we're not thinking that we are also the ones that fall short. So every one of us falls short. Now, if you are a perfectionist, this may make you terribly uncomfortable. But the fact is, none of us is perfect. Every one of us is flawed. Every one of us needs mercy. Every one of us needs forgiveness. Every one of us needs help. That's the reality. And when you know that, and you know how gracious God has been to you and how much he's forgiven, you can love more because of it. But if you think you've risen above the crowds and you're better and you're holier than others, you'll put yourself in danger of not recognizing the mercy of God that's being shown to you. And when that happens, you, you move yourself into a difficult situation. Well, let's keep going. We'll go to the Haftorah portion. And I read this several different times in order to get a different feel 
for it. Judges chapter 11 is where we want to read from. And I, I read it for the story and for the tragedy at the end which uh, our cantor Aaron Jacobs referred to earlier. Um, a, a vow that uh, Japheth or Yiftach, as his name is in Hebrew, a vow that he made that ended up in great tragedy and sorrow and loss. But um, I was focusing on something else when I was looking at this myself. I was thinking about how God uses uh, different kinds of people, flawed people, in his own way, in his own timing. And so he's showing us something. If you say, well, what's the family of God like? You know, is it all perfect? Answer, no. How do we know? Not just from experience, but from the record that God has left for us. This is not the record of perfectly good people. It's flawed people. People who are broken, people who have fallen short, and people who have made terrible mistakes or who come from families of just such people, as is the case in this story. So Judges chapter 11, starting in verse 1, now Yiftach, a brave soldier from Gilad, was the son of a prostitute. His father, Gilad, had other sons by his wife. So here is a guy, an Israelite, who has a legitimate wife and children and then he had a prostitute and an illegitimate child, if you will, on the side. But this son is described as being a brave soldier. Well, he, when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Yiftach away. And they told him, you will not inherit from our father because you are another woman's son. You are not a legitimate son of our father and his wife. Verse 3, then Yiftach fled from his brothers and lived in the territory of Tov, where he enlisted a gang of rowdies who would go out raiding with him. So he became a little criminal. Right? Well, after a while, the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And when the army of Ammon attacked Israel, the leaders of Gilad went to fetch Yiftach from the territory of Tov and said to him, come and be our chief so that we can fight the army of Ammon. Yiftach answered the leaders of Gilad, I thought you hated me. Don't you hate me so much that you forced me out of my father's house? Why are you coming to me now when you're in trouble? The leaders of Galad replied, well, here's why we've come back to you now. If you lead us in war with the people of Ammon, you'll be head over everyone living in Galad. It's not a clear explanation, but it appeals to um, Yiftah's sense of pride and a desire to belong again. So they don't really explain their motives. They basically say, you're the best when it comes to fighting. 
We know that. And we can't do it without you. But we think if you lead us, we can win. And you'll be in charge of every one of us. How about that? (laughs) And the answer is, sounds good. So who leads the battle? The son of a prostitute. Who, Who is the best warrior? The one who was rejected. The one who didn't have legitimate rights to inheritance. And this is the story, not just of Israel, this is the story of God. God is showing us, you want to know what my family is like? Here you go. So compare your family to God's family and see how you're doing. It may make you feel better. My father used to say one of the reasons soap operas are so successful is because people see how bad someone else's life is and makes them feel better about their own. (laughs) It gives you a little bit of perspective on life. Well, I just wanted to share this with you. I don't have a big finale here. I want you to think about... (laughs) I want you to think about the dung in your life I want you to think about the broken parts in your life. Think about yourself. Think about other people in your life. And ask yourself this question. As a member of the family of God, can you actually acknowledge that it's messy out there? And it's messy in here. And it's messy all around us. And even so, what? What then? Just because it's messy, are we going to give up? Nope. Just because there's been a problem, people have been fickle towards us, they've, they've disappointed us or let us down, are we just going to throw in the towel and call it quits? Just because we're disappointed in something again and again and again, are we going to give up? No. no. Just because we fell short, is that the last word on our life? No. You see, that's a message about God, that God is faithful with people like us. He's faithful to keep us. He's faithful to redeem us. He loved us so much in our rotten condition that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would put their trust in him and become a faithful disciple of his would have eternal life, would not be condemned, but would be delivered and saved from the power of sin that's been at work in their lives and all around us. That's the good news. That's powerful news. So as we read about all this, don't distance yourself and don't get lost in some of the details like, but what about that red heifer thing? Don't get lost in some of those details. Get connected to the details. And when you do that, you know what? God will fortify you. He'll strengthen you. He will make you more able to endure and more desirous of his righteousness. I read these stories and I don't think, well, if Moses fell short, what's the point? You know, how can any of us do better than that? I look at it this way. When When Moses fell short, God was still faithful. 
And God did not abandon his plan to bring the children of Israel out of slavery and into the promised land. And nor did the Lord just abandon Moses the man. You're not abandoned, you're loved. You're not perfect, get used to it. No one is, except God Almighty. Let's thank the Lord for his perfection. Lord, we thank you that you are perfect. You are holy, you are righteous, you are good. Every human emotion is perfected in you. Every human experience can be redeemed through you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, for the love of Messiah who gave his life, that we would not be sentenced to death, but that we would be redeemed from the penalty of death. Thank you for everlasting life. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? Oh, yeah. You want to do the run? Yeah, you can. Hey, can we have this mic on? So we're all, am I on? I am? Okay. So we're all standing together. So we'll go with the ironic benediction. I'd like you to close your eyes and just listen to these words. I pray them sincerely with all my heart for each and every one of you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant each and every one of you his peace. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha Yair Adonai panavalecha v'yachunecha Yisa Adonai Adonai panavalecha V'yasem l'cha shalom. God bless you all. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Thank you, sir. Always ready.